0: Welcome to the premiere of South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Chris McCarthy.
1: Good evening, Marcus. Good evening.
0: How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well, and I'm looking forward to this first debut show here on WBSM. It's really so... So appreciative of, of Michael Rock and Mark Stokowski, that's the management, and uh, and Tim Weisberg for putting this whole thing together. And as you and I were joking off the air, hey, glad I got sick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's... Uh me too i didn't have to <laughs> i was fine <laughs> you're fine and uh you know, fine I, I just
1: have to you have to start limping now yeah
2: but, no but
1: really this it's a fantastic time slot a lot of people don't know this but you and i had talked about this time slot before i ever got sick
0: we did we talked about this time slot we said there was a good opportunity here we talked about Um, Working together in in some capacity, like I said, the the journey here was what we both categorize as suboptimal, but we're we're here now. And uh, we're really excited. Uh, Chris, what do you expect from uh this new uh, venture well the thing i like is it's giving people who don't necessarily
1: have an opportunity to talk to our talk show hosts the opportunity to talk to us the yeah. opportunity to get guests on who who don't have the time normally to be able to make the show uh to be able to get on wbsm and so i think we're really going to bring a lot of fantastic content to the listeners here of wbsm and you know we'll be getting in people from the Cape, we're getting a lot of Plymouth County, even over as far as Fall River. And we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. But most importantly, I really look forward to those people who are just right now realizing they can call WBSM and talk on the
0: radio. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, I know there's a there's a, there's a strong contingent of our listenership that is either at work, they're, they're teachers, they work for maybe DPI or the city in some capacity, or they just work a, 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 a job in which doesn't... Um, doesn't can't facilitate a, a regular interaction with the audience. And so, uh, you know, you can call in at 508-996-0500. And you can also message us on the app chat. I've got it up here um, ready for your messages. I will only read them if they're incredibly flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'll read them either way. Uh, <clears throat> tonight we have... Um, Tonight we have for guests. Uh, Senator Mark Montigny joining us at 730, giving us an update on things that are going on in Beacon Hill. That's another set. That's another facet of our uh, of the um, program I'd really like uh, to and I, we'd really like to um, highlight is what's going on statewide. You know, what's going on in Beacon Hill, what the governor's doing. The We have a statewide election. We have. Three open races, right? Right. Three open races for governor. Well, technical. Governor and lieutenant governor I consider one race. Right. So, governor, attorney general, and state auditor. State auditor. And there's a primary going on for Secretary of the Commonwealth. Uh, There is... uh, don't believe Deb Goldberg's really challenged, but that's the only race that you're not really h- hearing anything from. So there's actually a lot going on. There's a tremendous amount going on on both sides of the aisle. You have you have Republican primaries of varying, you know,
1: um, competition levels. The um, the fact of the matter is, there's something for everybody right now in Massachusetts politics.
0: Yeah, uh, and not only that. There's there's local stuff. There's a there's a primary for a DA. There's a primary in the tenth Bristol district here. There's a primary uh, over in uh, Dartmouth slash North End and New Bedford. There's a primary um, for uh, Representative Schmidt seats as well. I'm uh, not a primary. A, a general election for right. Representative Schmidt seats as well. Actually, and a general for the. Tenth Bristol District. So um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of activity. I think an unusual amount of activity this year. Uh, an, this cycle. that's that's a great way to put it. Marcus is an unusual amount of activity, and there's
1: also brand new districts. Yeah, I mean the the reality of it, we just did a redistricting. Some of these districts, people are just finding out that they are represented by by Bill Strauss, So they are represented uh, by um, Congress by um, by. Uh, Representative Schmidt from Westport, I, you know, that that, that that they're involved in a primary. If you live in Freetown, you have a new representative. You live in a Kushner, you might have a new representative. You know, I mean, it's, it's really, there's a lot of changes. And there's a lot of opportunities here for people.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that in particular I've got a column coming out later in the week I think that I still think the the closest race the most competitive race from now until November is the race for state auditor it's the one that people aren't really talking about uh, all that much but I think it is the the most competitive I think it's the most competitive race on both sides of the aisle um, you have a great candidate for,
1: for shockingly in Republican Anthony Moore I mean well he, he's a good candidate
0: he is for audit specifically he's also the only candidate Baker endorsed. Uh, So far in the statewide slate. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he was Baker's first and only statewide endorsement. To my knowledge, I looked for another one. I couldn't find one. So and he he does present a a Baker-esque type of of persona. And on the Democratic side, you have two pretty, uh, pretty good candidates as well. Uh, Diana Desaglio has been on Beacon Hill for seven years. And you've got Chris Dempsey, who's who's been. Wait, uh, didn't she come out of the Baker camp as well? Uh,
1: I don't know. I thought she worked for Baker, the, much the way... Um, Jake Achenklaas Jake was,
0: did. Jake Auchincloss is joining us next week, by the way. So I so, think we're going
1: to see... You're going to see a lot of yeah. great guests in this time slot,
0: Marcus. Yeah, we, we've we got a... I mean, the, the people that we were able to bring in, I was able to bring in on the... Uh, on my Saturday show and Chris's uh, midday show, when it was on from 10 to noon, uh, we're going to be able to um, bring in again. Uh, we're going to be able to bring on again. We're going to have a lot more flexibility. I've already talked to a lot of people that I've talked to on my show about coming on, and they're all enthusiastic about it. We're, we're trying to work it around the schedules.
1: And right now, you have people tuning in for Mark Levin, going, "What's going on?" Yeah. So, how do they call Marcus?
0: They can call at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. They can also send in, uh, send us a chat on the WBSM uh, app. They can uh, I've got our messages open for whoever wants to um, message us or you know call in. Some people like to some people like to message because maybe they don't. Uh, they're not as comfortable talking right um, or maybe they just want to be anonymous and, and mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you don't
1: want to be cruel do it by yeah, writing do, right the um uh, the um the other feature we're going to be doing here on a regular basis and, we'll, and we're going to kick it off tonight is we'll have ian abrew giving us a call we'll have other city council as well but president of the city council here in new bedford uh, ian abrew will call in because we'll they're having a meeting tonight he'll give us a breakdown of what's what what's happening um and also, you've got to go to WBSM.com, check out um, Marcus's column. Marcus has got one on the tax credit that the uh, the House of Representatives and the State Senate here in Massachusetts is, is putting forward for the governor to sign. I've got a column on what I thought was, was a uh, very big development. The fact that uh, over the holiday weekend of 4th of July, you had none of the um, advocates, the, uh, the domestic abuse advocates, the mental health advocates, we had none of them working. And I, you know, I posed the question why weren't they working?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's. A, I think that's a. Pol- I mean, that's a policy I definitely support, um, and I think it's it's supposed to be one that's supplemental to. Uh, well, not even supplemental in lieu of of police response in some right. cases, and right. that's a really high activity type of uh, situation. And if this is a, a pilot where you're trying to like you know try it out and see where it goes, then you, you'd think that they've got to work. They've got to work. Yeah, right. I mean, as I
1: I put in the column,
0: yeah, part of part
1: of um, success is just showing up, right? Right. I know it's been quoted by a lot of people, Woody Allen included. You know, the joke that eighty percent of victory is just showing up. Well, the reality of this is that I was listening to the scanner on the Fourth of July, watching the Red Sox, and listening to the scanner and looking for material for this program, and I heard it announced that there'll be no advocates available this weekend. Right now, there's some dispute over that, over whether they were really working, what days were they not working. But I'm telling you, there might be a larger problem if they want to stick with the story that the advocates were working. Why were they telling the police they weren't? Right, and that's the night, Marcus, that the New Bedford police got a life, got a, got a bullet fired at him, and then the guy turned the gun on himself. It's a yeah. very sad circumstances. I'm very sorry the guy killed himself. Could an advocate have done something in that situation? I don't know. But I know that the New Bedford police were fired on. That's a very life-changing situation. Yeah. Police officers—they sign up to be to take bullets and to be fired at. But the night it happens, it's life-changing. Right. I've never had a bullet fired at. me, and I don't want to have one fired at me. Right. But it's a life-changing situation for a patrolman when the gun is fired. I heard the scanner: shots fired, shots fired. Right. Right. It was only later that we figured out that the guy p- killed himself. They used a robot to go in there. Could an advocate have done something that night? We'll never know because the advocate's not well, working. Well,
0: that's supposed to be. So there's a lot of situations. Um, the one in Atlanta, in particular, was one that was. It's often referenced where an OUI stop turned and turned, turned fatal. Right. Where they say a mental health advocate actually could have um, ameliorated that a little bit better than trained police and and and. Uh, You know, I think there's oftentimes too much asked of of police officers, honestly, in a lot of situations that they're supposed to be, you know, basically, you know, they're supposed to do social work. They're supposed to respond to dangerous situations and all of that. So um, there there are definitely situations, one, especially if someone's got a, um, you know, if someone's suffering from a mental health crisis, then perhaps they could have done something about it. Someone with a firearm. Maybe that's a little different, but who you know who knows. As as a scenario, and
1: you can read more about this at wbsm. dot com. We have a news story on it on that night, the, the 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 tragic events that night, and I've got a commentary piece up there. Um, but you'll never know what right. could have been because they weren't working. Right, right. And I'll tell you something else. Having served in the reserves, national guards, you don't want to work weekends. You don't. You know, there's lots of times when you don't want to work holiday weekends. But you have to. That's part of the job. The New Bedford police were working that night. The Fairview police were working that night. But for some reason, the advocates in the New Bedford police department had the night off. Yeah. Doesn't, to me, it's not how you build a spree de corps. To have guys older, tired sections of the department not having to work on a, on a, on a really fun holiday like 4th of July. So, you can read more about that. I'd love to hear
0: your comments. Yeah, on. we actually got some calls, so we're going to take them now. Take them. Good afternoon, you're live with Chris and Marcus. Oh, the phone thing is down. (laughs) Sorry. Good afternoon, you're live with Chris and Marcus. Come on, we should be doing rookie (laughs) moves. Hello? I can't hear. Can you? I can't hear him either. I think they might have. Call back. Uh, Good afternoon, you're live with Chris and Marcus.
3: Good afternoon, guys. Hey, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. It's a wonderful day. to have both you guys on the radio right now, that's all I can say. Thank appreciate it. Appreciate I that. Marcus used to come on. He ago to go with you uh, once it was. And I, um, I would, I would, uh, Marcus's views and I were, were, were quite a of times yet. Hey, you got some background
1: noise going, man. If you could step away from whatever that
3: is. Well, yeah, I'm driving. I have oh, okay. to go over. So I, uh, is that better?
1: Much better. Thank you.
3: Yeah. So, and, uh, and Chris, I was, it was so sad to see you go through, my heart went out to you and, uh, I'm so glad you're back on the radio today. It's just—it's just great to hear you, man. All thank I you. I appreciate
1: say. that. I really do. I appreciate everyone in the audience who prayed for me and and uh, sent cards and uh, helped me out financially. Really, I wouldn't have made it. I would. I, I became a point where I was living just to keep impressing the audience. Really, and uh, so <laughs> so thank you.
3: Uh- and- Nice to call Marcus. When Marcus started his own show on Saturdays, I used to call him and I always would encourage him to say, keep up the good work. You know, I mean, I was it was so good to have a different voice on. And what's great about Marcus, Marcus, is you're such a gentleman. Thank I mean, you. I could be with you all day long, but you're such a gentleman that just by talking to you, you can see how things can get accomplished and how things could change for the better. I appreciate and that. Having both of you guys on is just great. Just, I'm just so excited and I'm happy, both of you guys, and I'm looking forward to the show. And uh, carry on, man. That's all I can say.
1: Thank you very much. I Thanks. appreciate that. Thanks I appreciate the, the kind words and I appreciate you sticking around listening to us. Thank you so much. All
3: right. Take care, guys. Okay.
0: That was a great call. I wish all calls
3: could oh, be like that, but I, I know wish, they won't be. I love it. I,
0: I, anytime <laughs> someone calls and compliments me, I love that. Yeah, thing. me too. 508 996 0500 is how you can get on with us, and we've got another call. Good evening. You're live with Chris and Marcus.
2: Hi, I'm so glad uh, to be listening to Chris again. Uh, congratulations you. on coming back on t- onto the air. Thank you. Uh, you were really greatly missed all this time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate all the prayers, the thoughts everyone gave me. Um, really, as I said, as I, as I'm joking, but not really. At, at, there were points to it there where the only reason I was hanging on was because you guys were all waiting for me to come back and I, and I could not let you down.
2: Oh well, um, I'm glad that uh, glad that you're back. I found it interesting when you were talking about the uh, advocates not being around yes. on the Fourth of July. Uh, that it really is too bad because generally on the holiday, um, on the holidays, that's when uh, the police see the most domestic violence cases.
1: Absolutely, and is more people drinking. There's family members who are together yeah. they don't want to be together. Um, I was really surprised by it. That's why I turned it into a column, because normally I don't second-guess command structure, things like that. I think the police have a tough enough job, and the people who work with the police do. But this, to me, was strange, and I don't understand why they were all, weren't working.
2: It did, yeah, uh, that, that is kind of very, very odd, because generally they would, if, um, if it was beyond a normal shift... It would just pay him overtime. Right. Just, it just
1: doesn't make right. sense. So, just so you, so you know, and there's more about this at wbsm.com. How I got on it was that I was listening, I was watching the Red Sox, and I had this scanner on, and um, I'm always looking for material, and it was very early on on the weekend, um, where one of the patrolmen called. It happened to be, I know it was a male. I was listening to his voice. He called mm-hmm. and said. I need an, I need one of the advocates I have a domestic uh, situation going on and I want to help this woman needs help with an emergency restraining order now of course that's going to be difficult and that's really what they're there for and yeah. particularly on a holiday weekend you know the courts on his staff like they normally would be so the um, the response was we have no dis- we have no advocates available no advocates all weekend long and there was a there was a tr- back and forth about this on the radio. I heard it clear as day, and in fact, I know it is because I have contemporary notes. I sent some text messages though because I was questioning that as well. Why are there no advocates? And we really haven't gotten an answer as to why there are no advocates.
2: No, so, uh, it, it, it just it, that doesn't make sense. And if there weren't any advocates, would it then it would then go to the police officers who would have to then <clears throat> uh, usher the uh, the women or the man? Uh, through the system to to get an emergency
1: restraining order somehow. So no, I think what? that's a, I think that's what happened. I think it fell back on the yeah. on the police officers yeah. which which is not ideal. I mean it's they they're, they're mm-hmm. supposed to be responding to dangerous situations and as I as I mentioned that's the night that some gentleman was pat, they, they 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 went on a mental health check to someone's apartment. The guy fired a gun he, at the he police
2: was in the
1: house, yeah. Yeah. And then he killed himself. And now, again, I don't want to put that on the advocates. That's a lot of weight on the advocates. But, but, you know, know, but I'm just telling you, that's what happened that night, the night there were no advocates working.
2: Um, Yeah, something's got to be done on that. Either they've got to fund it, fund it better or hire more people.
0: Couldn't agree more. Thanks for the call. I Thanks appreciate it. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. For the yeah. kind words. I really appreciate Thank it. you. Look forward to having you here every night. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the show. You can also message us on the app chat here at uh, at WBSM. If you have the WBSM app, if you don't have it, I recommend downloading it. Uh, I've listened to WBSM uh, in a different, uh, different country. I've listened to WBSM on the plane That's right, to yeah. Mexico. I remember listening to you while you were filling in for Ken one, uh, one morning while I was flying to Mexico. And so you can really you can listen to it anywhere when you have the app. Um, you know, I, obviously when I'm in the car, I, tep- I typically have the radio on if we're, you know, in the satellite. But sometimes you go outside of it, and sometimes you know you do whatever. And if you if you have the WBSM app, you can listen to you can listen to it whenever. And um, you have a I, I think the clearest sound. Uh- uh, it, it's a it's got a great sound to
1: it, and um, it also gives you the updates on the news. If something's breaking in the air. Yeah. Marcus, I always love this. You once had. Very unfortunate situation going on, and fortunately got the news
0: alert. Oh yeah, There's that's a gun right. a on the loose in your area. Yeah, own. I was actually out. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was out, and uh, I remember I was I was living in East Fairhaven at the time, and I was out, and there was a uh, a someone loose in around Matapoison, East Fairhaven, with a firearm. Right. And uh, I went to my mother's house that <laughs> night. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm gonna stay there. Why? I was like, I don't know. You know. I, what are the uh, like? What are the odds? But they're the odds I didn't really want to play. You no,
1: know, for you, generally speaking, the odds are in favor. They were looking for you. <laughs> yeah, Marcus.
0: right. Yeah. They were looking for you. <laughs> but, but really, folks, download the WBSM app. You're going you're gonna to really enjoy it, and you may find it saves your life. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk to Senator, I think Senator Montigny is coming on. Uh, he's joining us at 7.30. Is that correct? That's that's our plan. Yes. All right. So, so Senator Monticelli is going to join us at 7:30. I want to ask him about my column, right. Which is about um, the tax relief that's come from uh, the tax relief proposal that has come from uh, Beacon Hill. Uh, if you're not familiar, just a rundown of the of the uh, of the story. Basically, um, we're seeing another, th- I think, a 3.5 billion dollar surplus in the in the budget, which is great. Uh, So Governor Baker had actually proposed a $700 million uh, tax relief proposal. Now, Beacon Hill had said that they wanted to wait until... When I say Beacon Hill, I'm referring to the state legislature, but they had said that they wanted to wait until after they did the, you know, after they uh, hammered out the budget, after they did the, after they had their conference committee and got the FY23 budget, um, hashed out. And I know a lot of people didn't think that they were actually going to do it, but it turns out that they did. Uh, there was a initial proposal of some payments, uh, of $250, uh, made to uh, two hundred fifty dollars to people who are between uh, an income of thirty-eight thousand or one hundred thousand individually. Five hundred dollars for married couples filing jointly, which is between, uh, which is I think up to then the income uh, level goes up to a hundred and fifty thousand. Um, I think what happened was honestly they thought that I think. The optics weren't great. No. The optics of that weren't great because I think people thought that was the only thing that they were proposing. Right. And so people were like, uh, what the heck? Right. And so then they released, um, even though they did say in their email, oh, more to come, but that doesn't, that's not the headline, you know? That's that's not not where the headlines are. So you've got to have a, um, so you've, so... So what they did was this t- this morning they, they released more of their uh, uh, of the framework, at least for the tax proposal. But we're definitely going to ask Senator Montigny of that as a former chair of Ways and Means. I know he's well familiar with how the budget works. And uh, actually on that, we're going to take uh, a break and we will be back. This is South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Chris.
4: Take South Coast Tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast Tonight.
1: And welcome back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. I'm joined by my friend Marcus Ferro, And we will now be joined by State Senator Mark Montigny. We've got um, some interesting conversation with him. Mark will be a force. Of course, the very first guest of South Coast Tonight will be now, Mark, emblazoned in history. What an honor. Mark Montigny, Yep. <laughs> Senator, how may, are you?
4: May you both live long lives and have a very long show, because I don't make any history if you don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's true. Very true.
4: Good to hear both of you together, gentlemen, although I guess that's an exaggeration, of flattery in and of itself. But I am, uh, on a serious note, like the earlier call, was so pleased to see the two of you together. Uh, and, and the night show is great. I'm glad Chris, that after... The hell that you've been through um i guess it's a good sign when i look at the stamina and energy and concentration that it will take to do this show for this amount of time this many days a week with such a tough (laughs) co-host but i expect you'll do the exact same thing to him
1: Well, Mark, I I appreciate everything you've done for me, really. Um, It's been cataloged in the media and that, that, you know, you you were instrumental in my recovery um, and manipulating the bureaucracy to make sure I lived, quite frankly. So um, I I really thank you. And uh, I think I really it's important to me that you were our first guest. um, And I know to Marcus as well that um, we want to know what's going on up there in Boston. You'll be able to tell everybody, keep everybody informed about what's really going on. You know, you've been laying the foundation for things for years that are now finally, finally coming to fruition here in New Bedford, in the in greater New Bedford area.
4: Well, so first, Chris, let me, if I could go back on a personal note just for a minute. Uh, I appreciate the pat on the back, but I'll say this. Um, I know that many, many, many people helped you, including uh, most of the staff at this station and many hundreds in the listening audience that either contributed time, energy, and in most cases, prayers, which are more important than anything, I'm sure, to you. Right. And I, I, although I appreciate the compliment, I want to shout out to my staff because although it sounds like something you're supposed to say on a talk show when you're in your own uh, legislative district, Senate district, uh, you know the one thing that we try to do better than anything, you know, my... my uh, uh, ears are in the community because I grew up in the community so I listen I make sure that I'm reading and taking phone calls and emails and text so I, I understand when people are hurting and in many cases it isn't just a general statement about the state of the economy or the state of the constituency it's very personal and we have a fancy name for it called constituent service but your calls and, and the calls that were made on your behalf from family members and loved ones of yours traditional requests for constituent service, although very complicated in this case. The outcome could have gone the other way. Your listening audience knows that. Your listening audience knows that. You know it better than anyone. Um, But at the end of the day, you just tested me and us the way that constituents do every day. I take it very personally. I'm not suggesting we serve flawlessly, but I will say this. There's not one representative or Senate office in Boston that does more and is more responsive on constituent service. We don't always solve it. We don't always give an answer people like, but we do our best to get back. And when we can, and in the case uh, um, of many, including very complex cases like your own, we personalize every single one of the people that calls our office, is someone's brother or sister or son or daughter or grandmother or grandfather. And the difference in New Bedford and the difference in the way I represent New Bedford and the four towns I represent, I've lived here my entire life. So in most cases, it's someone I know or it's someone that I know someone that knows and loves them. Um, And that's something that motivates us. And and it's not just me. It's the clear message I have to my staff is, you know, I'm a policy wonk in a way and I love – creating policy and writing laws, but at the end of the day, if you want to stay employed in this high-energy office, you have to respond and you have to serve, and it's usually somebody in great need that has gotten to the point where they needed to call our office.
0: Senator, um, so uh, speaking of um, constituents and constituent services, your constituents, um, I think every, uh, everyone's constituents, all the senators, constituents of the Commonwealth, I think are awaiting, uh, you know, what's um, what's going to come out of the tax relief proposal by uh, the by you guys in the Senate and in the House and Beacon Hill, I know we've got the payments coming. I know that there's been some uh, announcements regarding other uh, other tax credits that are going to be um, that are going to be uh, awarded. Um, what do you think the people of the South Coast can can expect from this tax relief bill? Understanding that they're they're still ironing out some of the details.
4: Sure. And I, I heard Chris reference that you had written a column on this, Marcus. I have not seen it yet. Was that today?
0: Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah, that? I wrote it. Well, I, you know, I wrote it uh, today. I was able to speak actually with um, Chairman Roderick's uh, a, a, a couple of days ago. I'm um, glad to hear that. So it was just about, uh, you know, just some uh, some sort of like um, loose details uh, about um, what's, what's to come.
4: And you won't get anyone – I mean, I'm not just saying this because he's a dear friend and a colleague, but I think I can stand by it based on his performance and based on my you know, uh, analysis of that performance because, remember, I chaired Ways and Means for four years. I managed the budget and probably managed more conference committees than – not probably, surely – than anyone on Beacon Hill presently. So I I know the difficulty of the job, but I also can rate – you know, a job well done, and you couldn't, we couldn't have somebody better than Mike Rodericks in there, and I, I say that, perhaps with some bias, uh, <laughs> yeah. but but um, it's it's not without very careful consideration that I make that statement. My job isn't to tell people who to vote for, to tell people how great their rep senator is. It's simply to do the job. But in this case, the extraordinary challenges that he faced in the last couple of years during COVID. Yeah. Uh, And now, believe it or not, one of the challenges of a Ways and Means Chair that plays right into your questions, um, the the biggest challenge and the the joke among former chairs is that it's much more difficult when the money is flowing than not because during really (laughs) difficult times, and I had a few budgets with – with uh, uh, lots of dough and I spent as, like a, you know, a, a sailor, I'll leave out the adjective, but a sailor uh, in New Bedford, on New Bedford, excuse me. I was, I was as conservative as you could be with the finances, except when I had to uh, to do with New Bedford, because I felt like we had been shortchanged for so long. I was going to do nothing if I didn't make up for, uh, for that. Uh, when I had the purse strings um, on Beacon Hill, but uh, kidding aside, when the money is flowing, the priorities are infinite and no one wants to hear that the finances are in fact finite uh, particularly when when contrasted with the, the level of request so when the 9c cuts happened at my, in my last budget year although it was exceedingly painful i had worked with many others but i had also personally built an infrastructure around healthcare and i had you know funneled millions of dollars into my district as you should and into other districts and you're now cutting and choosing between priorities and it's really difficult but people at least are with you and understand you're not doing the exercise because you enjoy pain or giving that pain but because it's essential we not only have uh the need for a budget for constitutional a balanced budget for constitutional reasons we have it for moral and ethical reasons like you you know what you, what bill you don't pay today that you bond and pay the interest in debt service tomorrow with someone else's money. So, um, I, I uh, am very respectful of what he's done when it comes to the tax cuts. I want to be careful only because, as you know, the process it has just arrived in the house. Right, there's been some announcements, but when the amendment process happens, particularly on something like tax proposals right now, expect it to be exceedingly difficult to predict the final outcome. And that's usually not the case on Beacon Hill, unfortunately, as, as you both know. Um, this is one of those times where we may very well uh, see significant changes in both the House and the Senate. I think the structure will be um, similar. I think the amount of money cut over a billion dollars, as you know, will be similar. Right. But I think there could be some serious debate on Priorities. And I'll give you an example of as you both know I voted against increasing the gas tax I'm just gonna
0: ask on. you about that
4: yeah yeah proudly <laughs> voted against it and then and I if we have more time I'll explain but let me yeah. tell you why I voted for the so-called gimmick recently and by the way I could if you if I were on a panel right now debating this I although I love public policy particularly in certain concentrated areas there's nothing I study more than markets and the economy I wake up every morning and I'm reading and studying and thinking through markets and the economy, mostly as an advocation, but I think it informs everything I do when I, when I spend taxpayer money and, and vote to spend taxpayer money. So when I, I could have easily... I, I didn't. Anyone I, on the gimmicks. I
0: right? did just want to say. I just want to say this because when you voted against it, I think maybe a couple months ago, we t- I talked about it on, on uh, Tim Weisberg's roundtable. I was with Barry and Phil and Tim and myself, and everybody was sort of speculating about what you might think or what your reasoning was behind it. And I said I, I'd made a joke that I'm calling upon you to to appear before WBSM, and so I was like, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you, um, you know, what what your reasoning is because the. What people, what a lot of, you know, policy people, I suppose, will say is that you don't see the savings and uh, you don't see the you don't really see the savings and then you lose money for important uh, projects like infrastructure.
4: Right. So a couple of things. First, as I I said, I study this daily and that doesn't mean anything because you can consult with 100 experts and you can still find, you know, views and counter views. But I didn't vote lightly on it because I believe and I could have taken the side more easily and more comfortably that it was in fact a gimmick and it wasn't the cor- correct way to apply. But I'll tell you what my vote was at the time. My vote was a protest vote because I felt like if there was a serious proposal before us to do something that was a better alternative that saved taxpayers who were hurting more money, then I would have gladly voted for that. I would have voted in fact to further amend um, that amendment, which we can do. There was a lot of different ways we could have, short of just saying, we'll get back to you in a couple of months and and don't worry, we'll have good news. That's just I, I'm not going to in the middle of 8.6 percentage increase in inflation at a. You know, one of the most difficult economies I've seen. Yeah, sure, if you want to take the time and argue about a 3.6% unemployment rate and the 370,000 new jobs created last month, there's all kinds of good things going on. But to sit around and act like somehow people are doing just fine because the average wage increase this year was 5.1%. I'm going, by the way, off the top of my head, some of this could be off a hundredth of a percent or a tenth of a percent. But when you look at inflation... And you even look at the government figures on inflation and they say things like, well, when you strip out volatile food and energy, blah, 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 food and energy, everybody I know is worried about food and energy and and rent and or mortgage. And that's about all they have time and money to worry about. So I looked at it and when the response was, well, this is nothing more than a gimmick, my feeling was okay. So I have a choice to vote against something you define as a gimmick that might save some money or might at least give you an indication that there are some on our side of the aisle that expect an aggressive, progressive tax proposal to come out. And now they have done that. Now, if there is something put on the floor that gives relief, it, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's not quantifiable – in other words, now that I have a proposal on the floor, something real to vote on that's an alternative – that actually goes in the taxpayers pocket now i think of this on a different more complex level i'm more circumspect in the way i make the judgment and i might even choose to make the vote differently but i'll tell you if there's something interesting that entices me particularly around um the gas tax i'm going to take strong consideration into it i'm going to take it into strong consideration careful consideration which because look at Go ahead, I'm
1: sorry. We're speaking with Senator Mark Montigny. He's discussing what's going on in Beacon Hill right now. So he's making some news with us here today. So what you're saying, Mark, is sometimes things don't appear as they really are.
4: Well, that's right. I mean, I, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, you look. I've been there a long time. The good news in that, as you suggested earlier, on the positive side of the ledger, I, I have spent years building. Like, for instance, one of the things that I'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks is a very, very exciting proposal the next 10 or 20 years with the Star store in downtown. Oh, cool. Most of your listening audience that's been around a while knows that that was my project, my signature project for this reason. I was born in New Bedford. I graduated from UMass. My grandfather was a whaling artist in downtown New Bedford, and I've loved downtown New Bedford my entire life. And taking it very personally, the shape that it was in and the reputation that it had in the past... And when I did the Star Store legislation, I made a commitment, and it's actually one of the things early on that I thought if it didn't work the way we had said, I might lose my job. Because we could have built the building on campus for half the price, and Peter Cressy wanted me to build the building on campus, wanted me to bond for it, and just wash his hands and go away and have a brand new building. It would have been half the price, but downtown New Bedford would look the way it did 20 years ago, because nothing has been more of an impetus than Star Store. Now, it wasn't just Star Store, that was the impetus where all of, you know, the no problemos of the world and the galleries and the, you know, look at the investment in restaurants and, 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 and uh, bars and cafes and galleries, they needed a reason. They needed to know that there was a government leverage that would say, we are with you. We will do the infrastructure and we will fix up the blight and we'll provide the tax credit so people want to move in the second and third floor of some of these buildings but you can't have a hundred thousand square foot building that looks like it's ready to burn down. Never mind, um, you know, uh, ignite arts and cultural renaissance. So for me, it's been one of the most exciting projects. And yes, I admit, like with no shame, because it's been so successful, I'm right. glad that I never had to explain to people how I wasted millions of dollars on a white <laughs> elephant. Which right. is What everyone was yeah. suggesting. I had I had very few friends in the room, including the university. So, look what it's done. You know, it, it's great to be able to, to point out something where it's just not. Argue, well, I mean, I guess people can argue if they want. It certainly falls on deaf ears with me. Downtown New Bedford is one of the most exciting arts and cultural centers of a small city anywhere in the nation. We used to follow others and study their models. Now, I and others talk about this model as being how you can change your reality. Now, <clears throat> not easy because. Our downtown, unlike most, had far more natural assets, um, and Buzzards Bay not too far away. So we had some some advantages, but if you look at the level of disadvantages, pretty significant. So you know, what does that mean? One of the advantages of being here so long, and I hope you know the uh, the, the uh, voters keep me for a while longer. Although there is a there is a funny thing that. They say when you when you retire from my business, you usually retire due to illness because the voters got sick of you. So I do my <laughs> best. Right. I do my best to avoid that uh, that caricature of a <laughs> of a politician. Right. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, this budget, fiscal year twenty three, will get done possibly this week. We have a massive transportation bond bill, a general government bond bill, an economic development bond bill, billions of dollars. Like never before, it would be highly irresponsible not to do three things. Pay for programs that need to be paid for. Bank as much money in the rainy day fund as possible and give money back to taxpayers. The old-fashioned concept, right? Give money back to taxpayers. They know how to spend it better than government does. That's one lesson I learned after four years at Ways and Means, gentlemen. I have no shame and no apology for... My progressive views on a lot of the social issues that you all talk about, I'm solid as a rock on most of them. And why I say most is because I only move when, when I really learn that, you know, maybe there's some different opinion or different facts or figures than I had considered. But when it comes to finances, I try my best to think of the taxpayer the way I do my own personal budgeting at home. And I know that people are struggling and I know that this inflation is real, and any relief is not a gimmick, and we owe it. We owe it. The money is there, and it should not be spent to create uh, structural deficits. It should be put in the rainy day fund and given back to taxpayers.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and just to fill people in on the Star Store, the Star Store is um, it is a historic building in uh, downtown New Bedford, I believe, on Purchase Street that uh, has essentially become the UMass um, uh, UMass Dartmouth uh, you know School of the Fine Arts um, building. Is that is that is that correct to say?
4: Yeah, so, so if you look at the practicality of the project, like I said, it was, you know, over 100,000 square feet, empty space, blight, everything around it falling down. Now you look at it as a thriving place where between start, well, UMass and Bristol Community College at one time, there's several thousand students running through there and other buildings in downtown. Well, what do they do? They eat at restaurants, they buy supplies, they go to coffee shops, they have a beer, so it it turned around, but what it also did, New Bedford has always been an arts and cultural center. It just was roughed up and needed some polishing because right. the musicians were always there. They're still there. The artists were always there. They just didn't have a great home. Um, so the minute we built it, was sort of one of those: if you build it, they will come. In this case, it was they're already here, so build it. Right. And but but the leverage. I always think of of, of in, instead of just simply spending government money on wasteful projects like we do a lot of at the state and federal level, um, frankly, um, think of leveraging private investment. So for every dollar that I have put, and, and, and you know, I personally have earmarked tens of millions of dollars for the Star Store, the Zyterian, the other arts and cultural centers, tax credits, the Route 18 project, so you wouldn't get run over walking, you know, from the beautiful downtown to the beautiful waterfront. The next phase is uh, – I I've earmarked $25 million to turn the state pier into a mixed-use project, so people actually want to go to the state pier, like they did when the when the Charles W. Morgan was here. They looked at the state pier differently, didn't they? Not just a place for a fast ferry, which is wonderful, state money, not just a place for cargo that needs fendering and piers and, and, and dredging, state money, but a place that people can actually go with their families and enjoy after they come you know and have uh, a cup of coffee or ice cream and they should they should be down there having you know fried clams uh you know at the clam shack but instead they can go to to the black whale they can waltz over if they're staying in the hotel as a tourist and see what I enjoyed as a child you know hundreds of colorful boats that actually work they don't yes. sit there you know as an idle yacht they actually work and go out and bring home the stuff that you came here to eat called right. scallops so it's to me it's the most exciting part of the job, but it takes a lot of money. So the star store has cost taxpayers money. It's cost me 20 years of political capital every year. It's a, we need more money. We have to keep it, you know, fix it. And it can't just be a building. It's got to be the Zyterian running well. And it's got to be AHA, and it's got to be uh, the museum. I mean, this is, this is a cultural center. It takes constant investment, but the beauty of it is private money has flowed in to buy buildings and fix them and offer products and services to
0: people. That's the way it should work. Senator, we appreciate you coming on. We're looking forward to all that exciting stuff that's happening in the downtown area and on the state pier, and uh, looking forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you very much.
4: Well, I'm sorry, because I had... You you guys probably had a lot of questions, and I had... A few more points, but the time flies when you're having fun. We'll we'll
0: be here one. five nights a week. Yeah, we'll be here. We'll be here quite a bit, so there'll be more opportunities uh, spent in so the future. Great.
4: It's so great. to to be on with you guys. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just say to my uh, my constituents and your listening audience that we are doing our best, and I know that that's not always good enough, but um, let's hope, particularly in this tax package, that there's some honest, real relief, not a bunch of blah blah.
1: Thank you, Thanks thanks a lot, Mark. Thank Thank you very much. So we made some news.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We did, yes. And uh, we'll talk about it more when we get back from the break. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. It's uh, Marcus and Chris. We're actually, the first hour of South Coast Tonight is nearly in the books. What do you think? I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good night. It was a good
1: segment. I thought uh, we made some news. All right, let's call it early then.
0: <laughs> Let's go home. While we're winners. <laughs> I'm, I miss my cat. I'm just kidding. Um. Uh. But yeah, no. I'm really excited. uh In the next hour, we're gonna have Ian Ian abrew call. Uh. Call in. They just finished a meeting. Uh. For our segment called uh, Comments from the Council, where we're gonna get live reactions from the City Council after first after every full City Council meeting for sure, but also after the subcommittee meetings that have you know important items on the agenda. So we're looking forward to speaking with uh Councillor Abreu. Council President, uh, Abreu, uh, in the 8 o'clock hour for our comments from the council uh, segment. So we'll be taking your calls uh, after that at 508-996-0500. We'll also be taking messages in the WBSM app uh, chat. Uh, so send us a message. And if I like it, I'll read it. If I don't like it, I might still read it. It right. depends. It's got to be good and mean, good and funny. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to be mean, be funny. Yeah. All right. So I will, uh, I'll, we'll see you guys on the other side of the hour.